Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Today we will turn our focus back to the emerging markets with a tilt towards Brazil as my guests will speak to recent developments spanning the current economic environment and political landscape. We'll also touch on a new investment theme as well. So joining us for the conversation today, glad to welcome back Jing Cheng Yu, Emerging Market Strategist, as well as Ronaldo Pata, Chief Investment Officer for Brazil, both from the UBS Chief Investment Office. Uh, Jing Chen Pata, welcome back. Thank you for spending some time with our listeners, our clients. Looking forward to our conversation. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for having us, Dan. Absolutely. So a lot to cover today. So Pata, to start things off, maybe before we get into the investment opportunities we want to cover today for our listeners, we're only three days ahead of a general election in Brazil. So what's CIO's perspective for the results as of today? Yes, and that's correct. We are only three days for the general elections, and the most important one, which is the run for president. Uh, polls are showing that uh, very likely there will be a, a runoff between the uh, President Jair Bolsonaro and former President uh, Lula da Silva. Uh, as it's very unlikely that any of them will gather 50% plus one vote uh, in the in the first run. Uh, the reason for that is that we have other uh, candidates, and uh, the, it's a total of uh, 10 candidates, and uh, the other ones also gather... Uh, around uh, 10 to 15 percent of voting intentions. So that's why it's very likely that uh, former President Lula will be the uh, will, will be at first place and President Bolsonaro will be at second place. The most difficult uh, forecast for now is uh, what will be the difference between them, but pool suggests that the difference will be around 7%. So um, this will be, uh, this will lead for a runoff, which will take place in October the 30th. And so we have, uh, after this Sunday, we'll have another four weeks for the second round. And then uh, on October 30th, we'll finally know who is going to be the next president uh, uh, of Brazil. Uh, as both of the, the main candidates are known by, by the population and by the markets, uh, both of them are very experienced and uh, the market has been behaving very well recently. And... There is an uh, understanding by market participants that none of them will change the economic policy very radically, uh, despite of the fact that when the the, the current president Bolsonaro uh, is from the right and former president Lula is from the left, there will, there are strong differences in terms of uh, social policies, environmental policies and health and etc but on the economy the differences are not that large so 
we believe that fiscal responsibility, which is one of the pillars from the current economic environment, will be maintained no matter who wins this election uh, then. Well, Patad, thank you for the recap there. A lot still lies ahead of us. It is interesting to hear how the economic policies, it doesn't sound like much difference, though in terms of overall economic implications, Patad, how might the Brazilian economy react to the new political landscape? Yes, the the good news for whoever is uh, elected is that The economy now is doing very well. The Brazil GDP is going to grow around close to 3% this year, uh, which is uh, above average if you compare Brazil GDP growth of the last few years. Inflation has been going down for the third consecutive month. We had deflation in Brazil. And this is because there was tax cuts, especially in gasoline and electricity prices. And the central bank has already said that we'll stop hiking rates and stay put for the next months. Brazil has one of the largest uh, policy rates in the world at 13.75% right now. And expected inflation for the next 12 months uh, is 5%. So real rates in Brazil are north of 8%, which means uh, that for local investors, you have a, uh, a good opportunity uh, for uh, protecting your, your savings uh, uh, and your net worth. And also, unemployment has been going down after reaching 15% in in the pandemic, it's now 9%, and we expect it going down to 8% uh, by the end of the year. Uh, so that means that uh, for the next president, the the dynamic of the economy is positive because you have the inertia from activity, which is going up, and unemployment going down. Also, the fiscal uh, situation is, is, is very good. This year is the first time since 2014 that the government will have more revenues than expenses uh, without considering interest payments, which is one of the targets of the, uh, the current fiscal environment. Uh, this means that the next president will have time to elaborate reforms without urgency and propose reforms to the Congress. The Congress can debate and uh, approve or not uh, other reforms. The most important one would be a tax simplification reform. Uh, This is something that Brazil uh, is trying to do for a long time, but didn't have uh, success yet. Uh, We believe that uh, both, both candidates will we'll address this, this issue uh, after, after being elected. And finally, uh, we also believe that both of them will have uh, governability. Like uh, President Bolsonaro already has a, 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 the majority in the Congress right now and will probably keep it if he's elected. And also President, uh, former President Lula, if he wins, uh, very likely he will be able to build a majority in the Congress 
by uh, inviting parties from the center to participate in, in the government, which we, we know that they have a bias to accept. So we don't see a governability issue in both of the situations. So then uh, sum, summing up, we, we have a positive bias for the economy in the next couple of years in, in Brazil. Some encouraging takeaways there with respect to Brazil's economy. So thank you, Pata, for sharing with us, bringing us up to speed on the political landscape in Brazil and speaking to the condition of the economy as well. A lot there that we can follow up on in the coming weeks. I do want to pivot a bit. I welcome Jing Chen Yu into the conversation to talk about the investment side a bit. So uh, Jing Chen as mentioned, a new investment theme you want to cover with our listeners, our clients today. Can you speak a bit about the theme itself and share with us your expectations for the theme's performance? Yes. Uh, thank you, Dan. Uh, first of all, you know, this thing is really about a relative preference favoring Brazilian equities relative to emerging market equities in general. So, uh, in short, in a baseline scenario, we expect the MSCI Brazil index to outperform MSCI Emerging Market Index by 10 to 15% over the next 12 to 18 months. That is mainly driven by, you know, the multiple year rating and then pretty, you know, uh, significant dividend, dividend yield, which is about 10%. In a, you know, upside scenario, bull case, right, we expect um, low single digit earnings growth for Brazilian stocks, uh, right, supported by, for instance, higher commodity prices, and as Patai illustrated, better than expected economic activity. Service, you know, concentrated sectors will also probably continue to surprise to the upside. And in this case, Brazilian stocks PE multiples will probably re-rate another 20%. And hence, that brings us to another, I guess, 15 to 20% outperformance uh, versus uh, MSCI EM by MSCI Brazil. Finally, in a bear case, you know, um, or downside scenario, um, the global situation becomes more, you know, negative. Uh, global central banks likely to push the global economy into a prolonged recession in order to tame inflation. As we all know, Brazil is a very high beta market. So um, then, by definition, and you know, based on past episodes, it will likely suffer right, with the real rapidly depreciating against the dollar, and the country's reform to its fiscal framework could also surprise to the downside. Um, in that, you know, negative case, uh, right? MSCI Brazil would probably trail its emerging market peers by. 15 to 20 percent in terms of total returns in the dollar terms. Well, thank you, Jing Chen, for helping us manage expectations with respect to performance and for providing that overview of the theme itself. Maybe can you identify for us, Jing Chen, the drivers supporting your call? What would those consist of? Yes, of course. Very briefly, right? So we believe, you know, uh, investors should look through the electoral noise and focus on the country's fundamentals. Um, following years of uh, underperformance, Brazilian stock seems to be on a winning streak this year. And we believe such trend against emerging market players in particular can continue throughout, you know, uh, year end of 2023. First, Brazilian equities valuations are at historical lows, both comparing to its own history 
and relative to yen. And Brazilian stocks offer pretty desirable commodity and financial exposure with a superior dividend yield. And furthermore, the country has conducted monetary policy responsibly, which we call it pretty orthodox, right? And enjoys, in the meantime, strong external buffers. And last but not least, growth keeps surprising to the upside and domestic policy risks, in our view, are quite manageable. So all in, we think these drivers should support our call over the you know next 12 to 18 months horizon. Now, on the other side of it, Xing Chen, what would you identify as being the risks that investors should be mindful of when it comes to this investment theme? Yeah, absolutely, right? Um, as I mentioned before, Brazil is a high beta market and therefore materially weaker global growth and higher inflation pressure combined with you know, markedly tighter global financial conditions would be very, very challenging for uh, Brazil. And another risk is that, you know, persistently restricted COVID policy in China, which could in turn you know, uh, uh, dampen uh, or, you know, uh, make Chinese commodity demand go down significantly. And that it's a negative sign for Brazil, given uh, Brazil is also a commodity-oriented economy. And Potential policy missteps in Brazil could also be a risk, and that risk can be signified in a scenario where, you know, domestically persistently high inflation in Brazil might further erode purchasing power of the low and middle income class, which could result in uh, some negative physical implications, and in a very extreme case, might lead to social unrest. And finally, a strong catch-up by uh, some of the growth or tech stocks in China uh, due to some unexpected or idiosyncratic factors such as any, you know, faster than expected um, um, satisfactory conclusion of the U.S.-China delisting saga, etc., right, could also negatively affect the relative performance of uh, Brazilian equities in this situation. Jing Chen, thank you for hitting on those risk considerations. Of course, very important. I do want to bring Pata back into the conversation. So, Pata, if we look further into risk assets within Brazil, what would you say are your preferences in terms of asset classes for local investors? Well, for local investors, we are still uh, preferring fixed income assets. As I mentioned before, Brazil is one of the highest uh, nominal interest rates in the world, and also probably one of uh, one of or the highest real interest rates in the world. If you compare current policy rate with the four uh, 12 months inflation, so uh, as we see the central bank keeping the current rate for at least the next six months. Uh, until inflation expectations uh, cools down a little more. Uh, so this uh, offers, this, this the current policy rate offers to local investors a very good return with a very low risk because, as, as I mentioned before as well, the uh, uh, fiscal situation is under control. And we believe that both of the candidates most likely to be elected will maintain as uh, uh, fiscal responsibility of course that there there will be risks uh, along the the way because uh the, there will be a discussion at the beginning of next year uh, about the fiscal framework 
today Brazil has a spending cap for public expenses, uh, but both of the candidates have already said that they will review this spend cap law because it, it, it's it's too restrictive for the economy right now, and there must be some flexibility for public expenses, especially when we, you have uh, a situation where we have crisis or an emergency like we had in, in the pandemic. So the, the fiscal framework will be reviewed, uh, but uh, anyway, there will be a new fiscal framework, and this new one will also have a limit for public expenses, in our view, because both of them understand that uh, the, it's it, it's, impo it's impossible for the government, for the Brazilian government, uh, not having any kind of, of limit in terms of public expenses, because this uh, is very dangerous in terms of the risk for inflation and growth and employment like we 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 had in the past right so this is a lesson that both of these candidates have already learned so we prefer we prefer nominal bonds in brazil and also floating rate bonds we we don't like as of now we are uh, we consider least preferred global assets uh, and all the other asset classes, uh, we have neutral stocks, as we, we said in this call, stocks are very cheap. Uh, we have a neutral for local investors, and we also have neutral for uh, hedge funds and real estate funds and alternatives uh, as well, and inflation-linked bonds. So uh, it's very important to keep the diversification especially in the situation very complex that we have these times in the world and also <laughs> because of the election in Brazil. But uh, it's very important as well to, to, to take the advantage of these very high rates and nominal bonds and floating rate bonds are the best vehicles in, in our view. Well, Patad, thank you there for the guidance. Certainly a lot in play at the moment in Brazil with respect to economic developments as well as the political landscape. So a very productive conversation today. Jing Chen, Patad, thank you for bringing our listeners up to speed, hitting on investment considerations, risks as well. A lot here to take away. So thank you both again for joining our listeners. Thank you for having us, man. Thank you again, then. Absolutely. I do want to point out to our listeners, our clients, that the latest Investing in Emerging Markets monthly flagship from the team are now available for you up on UBS.com forward slash CIO. Title is Remain Selective Until Clarity on U.S. Rates Emerge. Again, available up on UBS.com forward slash CIO. For clients of UBS, simply reach out to your UBS financial advisor to receive a copy of the publication directly. Again, today we've been joined by Jing Chen Yu, Emerging Market Strategist, as well as Ronaldo Pata, Chief Investment Officer for Brazil from the UBS Chief Investment Office. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us.
UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.